You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Broncos Camp Podcast back here from the Pat Bowen Fieldhouse for practice day number 10, camp day number 12, including the off days. And the big thing that greeted us today before practice in the afternoon, the release of the first depth chart, of course, it's always quote-unquote unofficial. Mm-hmm. They have to put it out in advance of the preseason opener. Not a lot of surprises here. Let's just be honest. I mean, usually we're waiting for them to say, okay, well, what is this rookie going to be on the first team? Where is this other rookie going to land? Uh, no surprises, really, at least on the first team, maybe some mild surprises as you get down, maybe just some things that illuminate where certain players stand, Brendan Langley, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, let's just kind of start off with uh, the first things that jumped off on the top line. Well, yeah, thank Good to see you again, Mace. Appreciate you, man. All right, yeah. Well, one thing that jumped out to me, at least when we start on the offensive side of the ball, is if you're kind of reading this through the top six wide receivers, it's actually Fred Brown. That is the sixth guy. And then it's kind of Kelvin McKnight and Trinity Benson competing there for the seventh spot. Jawan Winfrey inside the top six. We expected that. That puts him on the team comfortably. That does put him on the team comfortably. But yeah, Fred Brown, number 19, who's had some issues with drops uh, over the course of training camp, but had a pretty nice practice at the stadium. Caught a really nice catch, of course, from uh, from Drew Locke. So that one was a, a little bit, again, we are reading into it a bit. I mean, we're talking about the sixth wide receiver at this point, but that just uh, jumps out. It is Kalfani Muhammad ahead of Devontae Jackson. Not a huge surprise, but they're kind of in the mix to get there together for the fourth running back. Uh, offensive line, uh, no no real big surprise. You know Elijah Wilkinson's, uh, he, they put him as backup left tackle, even though he's been playing mostly right tackle. Um, but that's something that uh, and it's Jake Rogers, who's actually the backup right tackle. But again, a lot of these guys have positional ver- versatility. And so wherever they slot in, so Don Barclay, backup right guard, that's been pretty consistent. But Jake, he can play tackle. And he I, can play tackle. I think right. for Jake Rogers, it's interesting being on the second team, but I don't think that necessarily gives him a path to a roster spot at this point. He's still squarely on the bubble because you figure Elijah Wilkinson's going to make the team the question then becomes, okay, are Jake Brendel and Don Barclay, mm-hmm. who are two of your backups on the interior, Brendel officially listed as the backup at center, Barclay a backup at guard, the other backup guard is Sam Jones, are Brendel and Barclay battling for one veteran spot, figuring you probably want to keep Sam Jones, who you drafted last year? I, I think they are. And then you got to throw in here Chaz Green, who's technically the third left tackle. He's been playing left tackle while Elijah Wilkinson's been right Yes, when they go to second team. So and he's got experience, but there he is sitting on the third team, not the right. second team. So some surprises based on what we've seen. That More than anything, they're just surprises based on what we've seen out there on practice a little bit, but not too shocking, as in this is all very fluid, especially with second and third team. Yeah, Although at receiver, when you get down to the fifth team, you see River Craycraft and Brennan Langley. Craycraft is the first team punt returner, right. but that is so wide open. But Langley, he's the third team kickoff returner, third team punt returner, fifth team wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've got five preseason games to settle this, but the bell may be starting to toll for him. Well, 
it, it becomes down to the games, right? The final exams, as Coach Fangio has referenced. If these guys can have big performances in games, they can move up the chart. But as st- things stand, what we've seen in practice, that part of it's pretty much consistent. The guys getting the most team run with the ones is McKnight and Benson of this group. That's why I thought Fred Brown, who has had his opportunities, but not nearly like McKnight or Benson. And you wonder what Fred Brown's ceiling is compared to McKnight or Benson, and that's something that may illuminate itself over the next few weeks in the preseason. Fred Brown, you know, he's been around the NFL for a couple of years. He was with the Colts in 2017 and then on their practice squad after being cut, waived by the Rams last year. It's his third go-round in camp. He still has practice squad eligibility, but having a couple of years of NFL experience and then comparing him to Benson and McKnight, who have been a bit, I don't want to say flashier, but they've been more spectacular mm-hmm. at what they've done so far than Fred Brown has. Even though Brown is sitting there on the third team, maybe things favor Benson and McKnight a little bit. The other thing with Fred Brown, watch his use on special teams, even though he's not a kickoff or punt returner, he's someone that if he does manage to stick, it's in that gunner kind of role. Yeah, that, and that's exactly what it is. But that's, again, a little surprise considering usually the sixth wide receiver is a returner most of the time, unless you have I, uh, you have sights on making a, a DB or a, a somebody else that guy. But, I mean, right now, that was one of the biggest things that stood out to me on as far as the offensive side of the ball. Defense, there is some a couple other interesting things too. Also, before we go to defense, special teams looking at the returners, it goes four deep at kickoff and punt returner on the four deep there. All offensive players. All offensive no players. No defensive players. Yep. On to the defensive side. What jumped out? Well, uh, let's go to the safeties, actually, first. Sua mm. Cravens in there on second team, backing up Kareem Jackson is strong. And then the fifth guy is Trey Marshall. No secret that uh, he's had a good uh, so far training camp, and we've brought him up multiple times on this podcast. Trey Marshall ahead of Jamal Carter, ahead of Demonte Thomas, and then there's Shamarco there at the end. But well, yeah, Trey Marshall and Demonte Thomas would be on the same level. So yeah, Trey Marshall, Demonte are kind of that's in that. your third team combo, right? So that's that's kind of where that that and then Jamal Carter out. and Shamarco Thomas are the fourth team combo, and the, the significance of that is Jamal Carter. He's going into his third camp here. Of course, he missed last year with a hamstring injury. Shamarco Thomas, an experienced special teamer, and they're behind two guys in Trey Marshall and Diamante Thomas with less experience. That's right. And uh, so, I mean, right now I wouldn't give the edge to either Marshall or Diamante, but at the same time they'll have a chance to prove some things in the game. But Sua Cravens, who's been playing pretty well, He's been with the second team, and he is uh, firmly on this. Now, we, I, I got to say something, though. They do tend to defer to vets on these, and so Sua being the, the vet of this group, that's mm-hmm. probably a little bit of why he's there. They defer to vets, and that's why it's interesting. You look at, say, Aaron Wallace, who is a third-teamer, and Malik Reed is down on the fourth team at mm-hmm. weak side linebacker. Even though we saw Malik Reed last Saturday – at the stadium in the absence of Vaughn Miller and Dakota Watson. We saw Malik Reed getting a lot of second-team reps and even rotating in uh, with the ones from time to time. Jeff Holland is listed as a third-teamer, but he saw a bunch of first-team reps in with uh, Vaughn Miller and Dakota Watson uh, both sidelined. Justin Holland's listed as an outside linebacker on the strong side mm-hmm. rather than as an inside linebacker, and he's with the second team. That 
jumped out to me as a little bit of a surprise. He's been playing both inside linebacker and outside linebacker. They don't list him as an outside linebacker, but then again, on offense and defense, they only list each guy once. So even though Elijah Wilkinson might be a swing back, but left tackle right. and right tackle, he's only listed at left tackle. Yeah, a little bit of surprise there backing up Bradley Chubb. And, and you, but he's seen time. I mean, even in the Saturday practice, he was the first guy out on the field with Von Miller out. Mm-hmm. He was the first guy out on the field. So um, maybe that's a little bit of how they, they want to continue to kind of mix him up. No surprise, though, with Joe Jones and Alexander Johnson being the, the inside linebackers backing up Davis and Jewell. Both of those guys look like they're leaning towards on the roster right now. The Broncos really like Alexander Johnson's uh, physicality. They like his abilities. They, they think that he has a lot of uh, chance to be something special. And Joe Jones is a, an elite special teamer for the Broncos. He's one of their best special teamers and as far as tackling goes. So no surprise there. And he has speed. Yes. He can handle coverage. You need somebody in that room as a backup that you know can be a coverage linebacker, a sub-package linebacker, and that's when we've seen Joe Jones. It's when we've seen Justin Hollins rotating in inside linebacker as well when you go into sub-package, long down and distant, late down, long-distance situations. But if I'm into the guys that are on second or third team, I, I, I wouldn't fret too much unless you're really far down the chart here. We're talking about like fifth or sixth receivers like that I mean look there's like for example Jeff Holland who's third teamer on this I mean I wouldn't fret if you're Jeff Holland there's there's questionable depth behind an outside linebacker and and Jeff Holland has so far had a nice camp yeah and if I were Demarcus Walker I feel pretty good about being number two right now Draymond Jones number two as well yes the defensive line the top two tiers I think that's the way it's going to look, barring injury. Billy Wynn down there on the third team, and he probably at this point only makes it if somebody in the top six gets hurt or the Broncos decide to keep seven defensive linemen. But like Deshaun Williams has had a good camp. Mike Mm -hmm. Purcell's had a good camp. They're sitting there on the third team. That's a position where you're probably going to cut some guys that end up sticking somewhere else. But Demarcus Walker working his way to the number twos and getting some reps with the ones last couple of practices when they go sub. Zach Kerr. Steady at nose tackle. Draymond Jones being on the second team I think is huge for him because he's had some issues in camp. There have been times when he hasn't made plays, although I've seen him the last couple of practices make more plays, get more consistent pressure than he did early in camp. This sort of comes down for me to performance in games. We just mentioned it, right? I mean, I think guys like Billy Wynn or Mike Purcell can help their cause a little bit, but so far, as you just mentioned, Demarcus Walker's been so good during the course of training camp, more consistent than he's than we've ever seen from him having standout plays and, as you mentioned, now getting time with the ones. But for these guys, I mean, you got the Hall of Fame game coming up. You've got other preseason play. The, this is far from settled, but they're going to have to start needing some performances outside of practices because it's just not enough right now. Yeah, we're still generating the sample size. I want to talk about Noah Fant. And we didn't touch on him when we discussed the depth chart earlier, but there he is, number two behind Jeff Hireman. I think given the default to veterans, you're not surprised that Hireman is number one, but you've got Noah Fant sitting there ahead of Troy Fumagalli, and Fumagalli was seeing a lot of reps with the first teams when they went with two tight end sets. I think there's some significance to that. A little bit, yeah. And as we talk about deferring to the vets, right? You think Troy Fumagalli might be there, but again, Noah Fant, a first-round pick. There's a little bit of what would it mean if Noah Fant was third team, if he was the third tight end in this group? There might be some people like, whoa, 
especially the people out there that have, have seemingly been living and breathing, thinking that Noah Fant has uh, somehow been a disappointment, which he has been anything but. But there would be that that would add fuel to the fire of Fant is uh, further back on the depth chart than he really is, and that that wouldn't be really what we've been seeing. But Hireman needs needs to be number one because he's been out there with with predominantly first team. Haven't seen him a ton with the second, third, and fourth teams. You've seen him once in a while, but uh, Fance has moved around. Fumagalli's moved around. Ford's been all over the place, uh, but Jeff Hireman consistently with the ones. Who gets the most snaps this year, Hireman or Fant? That's a great question. Well, I I could see in eleven personnel, it's going to be Hireman out on the field most of the time. You'd you'd expect because he of his blocking ability, the fact that he can catch uh, will help his prospects. He's he's good in pass pro. That's that's something that they're going to u- utilize him for. But I mean, in the end, it just kind of depends on uh, what you're hoping that the offense ultimately can show. And, and Fant has more upside. There's no question about it. Fant will be a frequent target of Joe Flacco, and I'm trying to figure a good segue to what I want to discuss. That's as good as I can come up with right now. (laughs) I'm I'm fine with it. Okay. It's something that I noticed last week, thought about again on Saturday. We haven't really had a chance to uh, talk about. But, of course, now the Broncos, they've had a practice where 21,000-plus were there to watch them go about their business on Saturday. They've had over a week's worth of practices out at the UC Health Training Center. And one thing I have noticed is the lack of Joe Flacco jerseys. It's a little bit of a trying to find the unicorn, playing where's Waldo when you're mm-hmm. looking in the stands sort of thing. Sometimes I'll look on the hillside and say, okay, can I find any Joe Flacco jerseys today? And inevitably the answer has been no. I finally saw a Joe Flacco jersey on Saturday, when I was at the stadium practice, I went down to the concession stand to get a, a soda and a couple of bottles of water after we'd done our pre-practice video shoot. And I was actually in line near a guy who had on a Flacco jersey, which is the first one that I've seen as I've looked around. So what does Joe Flacco have to do to win over this community because right now I see a lot of, I wouldn't say skepticism, but fans that really aren't necessarily reaching out and embracing Joe Flacco at this point just yet. He got a decent amount of of applause on Saturday at the practice, but it didn't match the applause for veteran players it may not even even match the applause that Drew Locke got when he came out on the field. No, I, I wouldn't say it did. And I was there as well, and we were broadcasting on KOA, and you you felt like Drew Locke's applause was just a little bit bigger. But this is the thing, Mace, it, and we've, we've talked about this a bit. It, it's not Joe Flacco's fault that he's coming on to a team where it's been nothing but stopgap stop quarterbacks. And fans are trying to decide, is Flacco just another stopgap quarterback on the way to the eventual starter of Drew Locke. And fans are just, there's a little little bit of a malaise, right? I mean, they're just sort of tired of the journeyman quarterback or the stopgap quarterback because in the end, you need to find the guy. And I mean, I guarantee if we ran a poll, not that we necessarily need to, but if you ran a poll of would you rather see Drew Locke start week one and take his lumps and you'd lose? Or would you rather see Joe Flacco 
go out there and, and give it his best shot, I think majority of fans, at least right now, probably want to see a little bit more Drew Locke. And especially, I think he's going to have a pretty good preseason. You know that's only going to ramp things up. Drew Locke, I mean, I I talked about it with you guys in the pod after after that practice. I mean, he had a couple of really, really nice throws. I know a lot of it was in seven-on-seven, seven, but mm-hmm. showed some nice touch. Definitely got a chance to show off the arm, and the fans are going to eat that stuff up. It's only going to get louder as he continues to play and show promise. You mentioned the would you rather, and I had to go back and look at the would you rather that I asked. I think you did, yeah. I was going to say, as I said it out loud, I think that's one. I asked in May, would you rather have the Broncos go 6-10 and 10 but learn that Drew Locke is a viable long-term quarterback capable of greatness or finish 10-6 and six and make the playoffs with Joe Flacco playing all 16 games at the same level they did the last four years? 57% of the voters, 917 votes, said They'd take the ten and six, forty three percent, the six and ten. The fact that it was that close, though, yeah. says a lot. Take a losing season with a rookie le- taking his lumps to get to the inevitable. We have our guy versus an actual winning season because the Broncos haven't had one in the last couple of years. It should be the winning season, but the thing is that that shows you where where fans are at with the quarterback. They're they're sick watching guys like Patrick Mahomes come into the league in your own division and look really, really good. And Patrick Mahomes is going to keep making. I know, sick, and and know. in an arms race on the offensive side of the ball, you got to find your guy. So if Joe Flacco can be that guy, fans fans will get behind him. I don't think fans have anything personal against Joe Flacco. I think they just don't know what he is. And until it's really defined as this is the guy that's going to lead this team back into contention. Or he's going to be the bridge to Drew Locke. Until then, they're going to be a little bit mixed. Okay. I think that leads to another question about Drew Locke that I want to ask you here. As we've had a couple of off days now, we're approaching the preseason opener coming up here Thursday night. Based on what you've seen in practice, is your opinion of Drew Locke's potential higher than it was when training camp began, or has it not changed? It's a touch higher. A touch higher because he's shown more touch on the ball. His mechanics, I thought, have improved over the several practices that we've watched. He's throwing a little bit more over shoulder rather than the sidearm stuff when there's no pressure. He, he shows the ability, by the way, to improvise when needed. Low snaps, he finds a way to still make a play out of it. I think that's very impressive. And those are the things, as we've talked about on this pod, you can't teach. Um, but he isn't there yet, and that that's okay to say that. You can still acknowledge improvement, and that's why I'm slightly up on him from where I was. I'm slightly up as well. The question now remains, is that improvement enough to where you could trust him for three or four games? Because the answer to that question is still going to determine whether Kevin Hogan is on the roster or not. Well, then you have to ask yourself, do you trust Kevin Hogan for three to four games? By the way, Kevin Hogan listed as the second team yeah. on the depth chart. No surprise no. there. You would have you would have sent more again, and I remember John Fox saying this a lot. You know, they they really don't want they don't want us actually talking about the depth chart. To be honest, if it's up to them, they, especially this depth chart, they, they wouldn't really, ever issue a depth chart if it was up to them. That's exactly right, and they'll probably be some reminders over the course of the day that hey, it's unofficial. Yes, unofficial, it's moving every day. Yep. And so if it were up to them, we wouldn't talk about it, but they have to release it, and we want to talk about it. I think people are always interested in this. But yeah, I mean, they want to make this as vanilla as humanly possible. 
they like I said, if they would put Noah Fant third and seated to Fumagalli as a second, which which could have made sense since you're deferring to vets, that would have made sense, but it would have sent more shockwaves to have Fant that far down the depth chart than putting him where they put him. It's also not a good sign for Jake Butt because he's listed on the fourth team. Now they have injured players in brackets, but for example, Emmanuel Sanders is listed with the first team. Even though he's working his way back, he's only done seven-on-seven work to this point, but Jake Butt is sitting there on the fourth unit behind Hireman, Fant, and Fumagalli. Still ahead of Austin Fort, Mm -hmm. but... As he should be. Yes, but now you're starting to have the conversation perhaps of saying, are we keeping Butt or has Fort shown enough to where he could be on the 53? I also wonder if they're going to maybe dial back Fort when you get to preseason games to try to sneak him through. Although I would say based on the last week or so, the cat, that the genie is out of the bottle. Yeah, I think that's fair. And it kind of lines up with what we said about this depth chart going into training camp, about the 53. We said three or four tight ends. It'll kind of be between Fumagalli and Jake Butt for that third spot. And at that time, we didn't really know what Austin Fort was going to be. But we said, okay, Fumagalli's had the better offseason. Jake Butt's going to have had a little bit of ground to make up. This lines up basically with what we thought was going to happen and what has happened on the field. He's Ryan Edwards. I'm Andrew Mason. This has been the Broncos Camp Podcast back here on Monday, July 29th. We'll talk to you tomorrow.